at every kind of turn, you're solving problems, coming up with something creative, and in the end, trying to make something special. And then I guess the other part is when it actually opens and is being used. That's yeah. a really special day, you know, when you're all this planning and effort, and then you're actually seeing it happen uh, is really cool. Yeah. yeah, I bet, man. It's like, well, you know, like kind of, kind of like filmmaking, you know, you write the script, Exactly. Going to production, and all of a sudden you see it out there, and you're like, wow, <laughs> the idea came to fruition. Yeah, that's something yeah. special for sure. Definitely. Hey, I'm Armando LaDuke, producer, film actor, and owner of LaDuke Entertainment. I have chosen a life off the beaten path and wanted to find others that are doing the same. Spaghetti on the Wall is a show based on all of the years that I've thrown spaghetti on the wall and nurtured what's stuck. We will share fun stories, ideas, tips, tricks, and more. Welcome to Spaghetti on the Wall. What's up, what's up, what's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Spaghetti on the Wall, or internally known as SOTW, when we label everything. <laughs> Charles Niray, what's up, man? Um, everything, I guess. Charles Niray, the architect, is in the house. Dude, our first architect on the show. So we've had lawyers, we've had doctors, we've had politicians, we've had actors and singers. and Wow. All kinds of people, but but never an architect. And this is your first podcast. That's right. Yeah. Sweet deals. First first for us, first for you. So talk to us about, and I think you were mentioning a little bit about the history and, and you're from here and yeah. that you're third generation architect. That's right. Yeah. Um, so my uh, family's been in the city of New Orleans for a while. And my grandfather was actually at uh, architecture school in Tulane in the 40s. And then um, World War II began and he left school to go help with the Higgins boat manufacturing um, efforts here in New Orleans. And after the war, he kind of became more of a general contractor and real estate developer in Lakeview and Metairie. There's actually a, a street called Metairie Drive and I'm sorry, near a drive in Metairie that uh, he built most of the houses on that street. Oh, cool. Yeah. yeah. Now for the, for, for those of us that are not history buffs, um, <laughs> can you talk about the Higgins project and how that yeah. was so um, influential in, in World War II? You kind of see those photographs and video, a little video of D-Day where the troops were kind of coming, you know, on shore and the uh, boats kind of had a gate that would kind of go down in the front. All those boats were manufactured here in New Orleans from the Higgins Boat Company. That's kind of why the World War II Museum is located here in New Orleans. Uh, it was previously the D-Day Museum. They renamed it. But I think the reason it was here is because of the Higgins uh, manufacturing. Where were they manufacturing the boat? Uh, or did they just design it here? It was both. Uh, I'm not exactly sure, um, but the, I think they used part of the bayou, Bayou St. John, for, for that, as well as I think the headquarters might have been on St. Charles Avenue by Houston's. There's a placard there that I think talks about it a little bit. So your grandfather helped design it? Yeah, he was part of the, I mean, it was many thousands of people that were part of the effort there, but I think his particular job was kind of helping with figuring out uh, how they would do the assembly line. So he would, he would help with uh, figuring that out, the logistics of that, so... Very cool. cool. Yeah, very cool. And then your dad is also an architect. So he worked with my grandfather. And at that time, they were mostly doing construction. So it was mostly home building. And then they would draft uh, houses. Technically not an architect. But uh, I worked with them for, or my dad for a while after school. And, you know, uh, he's got uh, 40 years of experience and, you know, lots of knowledge. So it was really wonderful to, to learn from him directly. Yeah. Very cool. And so you you went to uh, Tulane, you said? Uh, I went to LSU. You went to LSU. Yeah. 
And uh, you graduated and you wanted to start your own company or you worked for somebody else or what? No, no, I worked for a few other people. Um, so I went to LSU, worked <clears> for a company there. Uh, I had a bunch of jobs in college. I was kind of working my way through school. One of the later jobs was architecture, but I was doing all kinds of other things before then. Yeah, after school, I went to New York for a couple of years. I worked up there with a small uh, architecture firm that their biggest client was NYU. They they joked that NYU was really a real estate development company, <laughs> kind of like passing itself off as a university. They owned like the second most land in Manhattan just behind the Catholic church or something like that. So oh, they wow. were constantly renovating and doing projects and we helped with that. That's uh, cool. Yeah, New York's a great place. Uh, you know, when you're young and, you know. <laughs> New York's a great place now, man. Yes, yeah, true. I, I just, I get to go up there monthly because uh, I got yeah. a client up there, yeah. Nice. And so, um, you know, I'm always just so inspired yeah. by the city. You know, it's just so vibrant and there's a lot of things going on, so many stories. So, uh, yeah, I love Absolutely. it there for sure. So you came back and you started your company, M2 Studios, right? Well, a um, couple more uh, firms before that right. began. I um, actually worked with my dad when I came back for a couple of years. Then I worked with um, Sizer Thompson Brown Architects, which is kind of a larger firm here in New Orleans, doing mostly commercial work. One of the big ones was uh, helping the effort to rebuild um, the Superdome after Katrina. Mm. Uh, so it was like four architecture firms and you know hundreds of people on the project and pretty uh, special project, obviously. Yeah. So I worked with them for a couple of years and then actually went to Austin, Texas for a little bit. Another cool town. Uh, I worked there with a firm that did a lot of work for education. So like K through 12 was kind of what we helped with. You know, that was a few years of that. Um, and then 2008, 2009, economic downturn kind of came to play. And so uh, looked back to New Orleans, which was, you know, still in the rebuilding effort post Katrina and started the firm then. What do you like most about being an architect? There's a couple of things. I think when you you find a client that's really kind of open-minded and, and wants to create something special, I think that's a, a wonderful situation. Just the, the fact that you can be creative in your job is, is wonderful. It can go wherever, right? It's, you know, what you think about, what you can create, you know, context, uh, materials, budgets, all, all those kind of things play into it. Regulatory agencies. I mean, there's there's so many things that come into the to play, but at every kind of turn, you're solving problems, coming up with something creative, and in the end, trying to make something special. And then, I guess the other part is when it actually opens and is being used. That's yeah. a really special day. You know, when you're all this planning and effort, and then you're actually seeing it happen uh, is really cool. Yeah. yeah, I bet, man. It's like, well, you know, like kind kind of like filmmaking. You know, you write the script. Exactly. Going to production, and all of a sudden you see it out there, and you're like, wow, <laughs> the idea came to fruition. Yeah, that's something yeah. special for sure. Is there a project that you're like, man, I really like, you know, that's my, like, bucket Love list it. project I want to do that's, like, super creative? Oh, like, uh, haven't done yet, but want to? Yes. Kind of thing? Okay. Um, gosh, I don't know. I kind of want to do a little bit of real estate development at some point, so I guess that's kind of a goal, you know, to, to work on, like, one of my own projects. Right. I think that would be a lot of fun. That could be mixed use or something like that. Uh, I think would be great. But we've had an opportunity to do a lot of nice projects already, and, and which uh, we're, we're doing some work in Ocean Springs, Mississippi. I don't know if you've been over there. Sure, it's a cool little town. It is cool, artist kind of community. So we did a little small hotel over there that that was really well received, and then now we're doing kind of a phase two, which is a series of buildings, kind of multi-use kind of thing, entertainment complex and restaurants and things like that. So really excited about that project and uh, seeing where it can go. 
how do people find you? Is it more mostly like word of mouth or yeah, what? Yeah, I would say most of our work comes through referrals. You know, we do a good job for a client and then they kind of, hey, a friend of mine needs an architect as well. That's usually where it comes. And then if it's not there, you know, just advertising or, you know, social media, that kind of kind of deal. What's your bread and butter? In terms of project types? Mm -hmm. or we're kind of split between residential and commercial pretty evenly. So we'll do a lot of like home renovations, you know, little smaller ones. We'll do a lot of uh, really nicer, larger houses, custom houses. And then on the commercial side, it could be, you know, apartment complex or restaurants or office uh, healthcare. We do some healthcare work. So it's, it's a variety of project types. Usually what we get known for is uh, when somebody's looking for more of a modern aesthetic, something like that, that's usually... Hey, you got to call M2 Studio. That, that's where we kind of find our niche. So kind of bring me through the, uh, the process a little bit. Somebody sure. comes in, they're like, hey, I want to, so for instance, myself, I'll, I'll, you know, I'll, I'll talk selfishly here. So I've got a sun deck, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. That my master bedroom goes straight into the sun deck. Gotcha. I'm never there. I'm never out there. It's so unusable. And, yeah. and I feel like the, out, the, the uh, layout of this is like horrendous. I don't know why. They decided to do that, I guess, because like I'm, I'm, I'm right by Lake Pontchartrain, but like I have the wall in front of me, so I can't even see past it. So it's like, what's the point? Or maybe it was built when the, the wall, wall wasn't there. Maybe <laughs> yeah. that's maybe I, I you yeah. know what? Maybe I should look into that. Anyway, all that to say, it's unusable space, right, right? Right. Would love to like knock knock down that wall. Sure. Create, you know, create a a whole nother room and then Great. expand that into, you know, a walk-in closet and nice. make the um, bathroom bigger and all of that. So yeah. what's the, what's Process. the first step here? Yeah. So uh, typically what we do for uh, any renovation projects, residential or commercial, we kind of want to meet at the job site, um, meet at the home to, to talk with you and to see kind of the existing conditions and get a really good feel for, you know, what's there and the goals for the project. So that's kind of the first step is, is doing that. A lot can be learned from actually seeing it physically, you know, <laughs> so right. Like you said, the walls there, all those things kind of come into play in that first meeting, just understanding the context of everything. And then um, after that, we'll kind of work up a fee proposal, send that to you. If that looks good, then we get started. A proposal meaning like a blueprint? No, uh, our fees, kind of outline the fees. Oh, yeah. Depending on like how long it's going to take, you think? Yeah, or... just different complexity of the project, kind of outline our fees and, you know, all that kind of stuff and, and send that to you if that looks good. Then we'll get started first with coming and doing a uh, kind of measuring the site. So we'll draw up the house as it is and then we'll work on options for you know the goals of the project oh i want a master suite here so we may do several options for that and then we do a series of client meetings kind of at the office we build it all in three dimensions so you're able to see it spatially and it's real working meetings like um, clients are there we're there you know going over options saying different views sketching hand sketching at the meeting it's really we design it together and then after that meeting kind of a couple more weeks working on it and then again get together at the office and go over it for a renovation renovation like you mentioned it's probably about two client meetings should get us to where the layouts you know kind of what you're looking for then after that we'll do some drawings that might include structural engineering if needed um, and then that drawing set will be ready for, you know, the building office to, to do their review on, to give building permit and also for contractors to bid on. So do you guys do that too? Do what part? The construction part. No, we, uh, we don't do the contracting part ourselves. We work with, you know, probably 25 or 30 different contractors, depending on the project type scope. And also like, you know, if those guys are, are busy, you know, okay. 
then we recommend other contractors. So we work with a lot of different contractors in the city. Really, it's teamwork. You want to have a good team, contractor, the architect, the owner. Everybody's on the same page with the project, and, you know, it can go smoothly. If certain part of the team's not working together, then, you know, it's harder. <laughs> it's harder to get it done. <laughs> so you... You work in a creative-based industry, yeah, right. Yeah, and I was just talking to uh, I was just talking to somebody else about just that creative expectation, right? Because like when we put videos together for a client, yeah, is it their aesthetic? Do they like it? Is the music good? Uh, Do they like the cuts? Is it sure. the, the right color? You know what I mean? Yeah. And so it's just it's always different, mm -hmm. right? Depending on the client. So sure. how do you guys mitigate, or or do you guys build? How do you guys mitigate? The amount of revisions that need to that that need to happen is that built into the contract how are you guys you know navigating uh, that not necessarily um it, we essentially will do most projects like the one we just mentioned we'll kind of do it in, on an hourly basis as you know kind of with uh estimates you know with oh we think it's going to be this this many revisions so that's kind of how we we estimate it in terms of time you know uh <laughs> we've had some clients that it's more difficult for them to make a decision so that you can go more revisions when when that's the case you know we always try to guide them in what we think is best for their budget and the creative aspect of it but yeah in the end the client has to be able to make the decision to say i, I really like this direction you know right so yeah, if you're if working with clients, you probably had similar experience where it's like, well, they're really not sure. And, you know, uh, it just takes a little longer. Right. Know? And then you yeah. go back to the drawing board. Yeah, yeah, exactly. When you guys put the plans together and the outline, does it go through several architects within your firm to, to check on the work and make sure the math is correct? Yeah. So uh, typically we're a small firm, about 10 people. So we have architecture as well as interior design. And so typically um, it'll be myself and one or two other people that are kind of working on a project. So, you know, I'll kind of be helping with more big picture stuff. Um, and then the folks that are helping, they're also kind of working more production work and also in influencing the design as well. I'll kind of handle the QC in terms of reviewing a project for all that kind of stuff. But yeah, it's just a series of, you know, have some production, then do a review, have some production, have a review. So we have kind of checklists and stuff in our office that keeps the QC going correctly. We're not always perfect, you know, but uh, we, we aim to be there. And if it's not, we make it, we make it correct. So here's my question. Oh, okay. the, the reason why I was like, bringing it all back. <laughs> Here we go. How does, and you probably probably been asked this too how does a company yeah that is building a hotel in the quarter yeah and i'm talking about the hard rock oh, was it the fault rock. of okay. the architect or was it the fault of the construction company this is a really good question and i think um i mean there's so many aspects to a, a large-scale project like this i don't have any personal knowledge of the project so i i can't really speak in in any definitive way about sure. it but my suspicion is that you had a lot of people that were trying to do the right thing and then you had maybe a couple people that were trying to cut corners that's my suspicion. How you cut corners, you save money on the project, you know, you kind of, that's generally the, the issue. There was probably a rub between people that were trying to do the right thing and people that were trying to cut corners. And I think that's kind of where it ended up. I don't have any personal knowledge of any of this. So, you know, uh, this is just, you know, speculations. This is complete speculation, but I have a feeling that's what it would happen. I doubt, I doubt that it was just the structural engineer making a mistake in mathematics or, you know, there's software for all these designs, right? So they're running models on the software and the software is saying, hey, we're 
meeting the standards that are required. You know, obviously there was uh, uh, different loads that happened during the construction process. From what I understand, I think they were installing a pool on the roof near when this occurred. So maybe there was like extra weight during the install that's not normally there. But all this stuff mm. should be checked. But I, I really, I think, again, speculation, it was probably this somebody or a group of people trying to cut corners a little bit that, that probably ended that. What's the insurance look like that y'all have to pay? Yeah, it's it's a lot of money. <laughs> insurance is, is very high. Y'all are the people that are signing off on the building. Yeah. Well, Obviously, there's permit check people. Yeah. I mean, who, who are those people? So so uh, I guess commercial, commercial project, it's, it's commercial project. So you have a lot of people reviewing a lot of different things. So you'll have the, the professional record, which is generally the architect for the project. You'll have engineers that are in, involved in the project. They all have their own, you know, stamps and own errors and emissions insurance. So you'll have structural engineers, mechanical engineers, civil engineers. All of those guys are kind of part of it. Then on the regulatory side, you'll have uh, the permit office itself, which will review the plans for compliance with building code and all that kind of thing. Then you have the state fire marshal's office, which is also doing that, but then a little bit more into life safety and also ADA compliance. Then when the construction begins, you have infield site inspections done by it's either the city or third party it's usually the third parties because they're a little quicker to schedule Uh, the city doesn't have that many inspectors right now but um, there's a lot of different individuals that are all looking and signing off on everything that's occurring on a commercial project it's not just the architect saying okay it looks good let's build it you know there's a lot of regulatory um, oversight. Yeah, as, as, as there should be. Exactly. I mean, <laughs> you want belt and suspenders over and over again to sure. ensure that there's not problems. And then unfortunately there is, you know, like that one, it, it happens, you know. That big building in Dubai, you know what I'm talking about? That like really tall, yeah, really yeah. tall building. Yeah. Could you build, I mean, could you design that? Uh, sure. I mean, uh, the uh, schematic for something like that is more, you know, like small number of people probably began the schematic the bigger scale is the you know production work engineering and architecture work to produce all the documents needed to kind of articulate all of that thing so um you know even if it's a giant project the schematic part usually just starts with you know one or two designers right it's kind of leaders kind of saying all right here's you know this is the program this is kind of you know an idea for creativity design on it and then yeah then the production begins and the i guess the number of people involved gets bigger and bigger right so right um for a production of that size, you would definitely need a, a lot of people, right? Because it's just so much to coordinate. But yeah, absolutely. You know, in terms of schematic, it absolutely design something like that. Who designed the um, the World War II Museum here? Do you know? Uh, I forget the name of the firm, but I got a... Are uh, they local? A funny story on that. No, they're from New York. So that, that one started, you know, 15 years ago, right? Mm-hmm. So I was actually on a flight from New York back to New Orleans. I was living in New York at the time. And uh, I was talking to the person next to me and they're like, oh, yeah, you know, there's this new museum that my firm designed and um, we're coming to a client meeting. She actually got off the plane. She had a scale model. It was about this big, two feet by two feet of the museum in its finished state uh, in the overhead compartment above us. Oh, wow. <laughs> so, so we got off the plane. She showed me the whole model was, with the canopy. I don't know if you know the, the big canopy. Yeah, design. yeah. I yeah. would. I was like, what the heck are they building? A roller <laughs> roller coaster on top of the thing? I was like, wait. When it finally, yeah. I was like, oh, okay, I see what they're doing now. <laughs> yeah. 
a little unusual for a hurricane prone region uh, to have yeah. something of that nature, but you know, it's inspiring, I guess, as part of the design. It's very cool. Very yeah. cool. I guess they wanted stuff to like bounce lights off of and yeah, and yeah, change the skyline a little bit. And you know, yeah. it's beautiful. I, I really like the, the design. Yeah, it's yeah, fantastic building. Yeah. What, what does it take to build something like that? Like, you know, you got to get approval from the city. Yeah. I mean, you know. something of that scale, um, usually a decent sized project. There's a lot of not just building code that you're going through, but there's a lot of uh, zoning. Right. So right. the city, you know, for each property, they kind of say how big you can make the <clears throat> property, what it can be used for and, and things like that. Larger scale projects um, typically require some kind of variances or some kind of plan unit development where you're kind of working with the city to determine all those things. Mm -hmm. And those take a lot of time, public hearings, a lot of that. There's a large project called the River District, which is working its way through that now. I don't know if you're familiar with that. I don't. What's going on? So the convention center, mm. uh, its location adjacent to that is like 39 acres of vacant land. By Mardi Gras Place? Correct. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Right there. So all that land is currently working its way through uh, the regulatory process. Yeah, Twyropa was out there for a <laughs> minute. <laughs> I remember Twyropa. <laughs> ah, that was fun. It was good times. Yeah, yeah. Um, but anyway, yeah, they're proposing, uh, you know, basically a whole new neighborhood. So it's uh, new streets kind of subdividing the, the bigger sectors of, of land. They're proposing... I don't know how many, how like 1,200 housing units, uh, 400,000 square feet of office space, uh, grocery stores, mixed use. That's awesome. Uh, yeah, it's a very large project, but yeah, it's it's going through the big regulatory process now. And then I think they're intending to start like utilities and streets next year. You involved in that? I'm currently not involved in it. Gotcha. Our office is adjacent, so I'm very interested in it. Um, hit him up. He's available. <laughs> Call him. <laughs> Anytime. Um why all of these blighted properties, you know, like on canal and, you know, yeah. and, and different parts of the city, is it more expensive to revamp and refurnish these places or is it, or can't they just tear it down and build, build up some new stuff? Yeah. I mean, it kind of depends. Renovations are usually a little bit more expensive if we're on a commercial side to kind of you know, deal with existing additions. But if it's an older area, you know, there are historic tax credits, which you can leverage. So if the project qualifies, you can get state and federal historic tax credits to offset a lot of the construction costs up to 45%, I think it is. What? Yeah, Why aren't more people doing that then? Uh, I think a lot are doing that, that work. Um, the uh, World Trade Center, they yeah, that was great. Yeah, they leveraged, uh, I think it was $70 million in historic tax, cre tax credits. So a lot of large projects like that, um, you know, they they end up going forward because of the credits. Smaller projects, I think the fees for, you know, having to acquire the credits kind of eat up the profit for the credit. So it has to be a little bit bigger project to, to make sense to do it. But in addition to that, um, the city does have regulations over a lot of the areas. There's the uh, HDLC, Historic District Landmarks Commission. They'll kind of weigh in if you can tear down a, a building or not. They say, oh, it's contributing, then you know, you're know you not allowed to do that. And then in the French Quarter, there's the Vucare Commission, similar, yeah. uh, you know. The Gestapo. <laughs> <laughs> Dude. We love them, but they have good the intentions. Vucare, the yeah. Vucare Commission, well, you know, um, yeah. I'll just, you know, whatever. <laughs> I, I, I don't wanna um, throw shade. But but, um, I, but I love the idea of, of renovating structures that are already there. There's a number of, you know, incredibly positive things to that. Sure. They did that in Atlanta, like, 
all the time, yeah. everywhere, everywhere. And just see these old buildings that like, you know, factories that are now, yeah. you know, apartment complexes. Oh, they're beautiful too. And they're incredible. Yeah. Cause you have the story that's behind it and everything. I went to a uh, ULI um, breakfast the other day and there was a gentleman there. I think he's from uh, a real estate company called Iris. And they were, he's redeveloping the uh, Dewdrop Inn. I don't know if you're familiar with the Dew Drop Inn, but there's a, a bunch of history there. It's been, I think, closed for maybe 20 years or something like that. But there's a lot of like African-American history there, musicians and, and just so many stories. And he was going through all these different famous musicians that played there. And so it's been getting redeveloped as that, as a music venue and a hotel. And That's awesome. Yeah, it's super. It's a great project. Why do you think and. and you don't have to answer this if you don't want to. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> but what, what do you think is holding the city back, man? Like, I just, there's there's just so much potential yeah. here. And it's just like, I, I don't know if it's the city holding itself back, but it's just um, like, it's just not growing the way it should be. I think education is probably at the center of it. Education is the key to so many different things, right? And the, I think the challenges that we're seeing is probably because... Uh, of the lack of good education here. You can get it, but it has to be a private education, right? That's not the case in every city. If we could focus more on improving our education system, I think a lot of the things that go on and hold back the city would would kind of fall away. Is it a tax, you know, problem? Is it, you know what I mean? Because it's like, you know, why, why is it that other parts of the country, mm-hmm. the public school system is... Fantastic. I went to high school in Georgia what, and was great. What part of Georgia did you go to high school in? It was um it was Augusta it, by Augusta like on the outskirts of Augusta called Grovetown in Harlem. So on the outskirts. Yeah. Okay. So was it a new school? No. It was an old school? Yeah. Okay. Was it in a city central though or was it in a rural area? It was in a rural area. Okay. My suspicion is in a lot of the ways that cities get developed is that you know, 50 years ago, inner cities kind of had this exodus, right? And so we started building up the suburbs in a major way. So I think the tax dollars followed that the growth and built the new good schools in uh, further away from the cities. Mm. So I think it, you know, generally you'll find, I mean, I was doing education work in, in Austin or not in Austin, but uh, we had one project there, but most of that was, neighborhoods getting developed outside the city center and developing the suburbs and new schools were popping up in the suburbs and they were very very good the problem was the inner cities and the schools there didn't have as much you know attention to improving it's easier to build something new than correct something that's already existing so i think that's usually what you find Mm. the good schools are probably further away from the city unfortunately makes sense circling back to what it is that you do. Yeah. Um, so people, obviously word of mouth, they find you, um, you guys do commercial and yeah, residential, residential, yep. you know, architects are generally just creating the blueprints and then they hand it off. Right. No, no. Uh, or we stay involved during construction to, uh, kind of help, you know, troubleshoot as well as say, for instance, um, you know, you're doing a house and you want to build a new kitchen, Uh, Oftentimes with residential construction, we may have allowances in the budget for things like kitchens and uh, plumbing fixtures and things like that. You know, once the contractor is selected, maybe they have preferred vendors where they get those things from. And so 
we'll work directly with those vendors to specify the exact you know item like this this is the countertop we want uh, based on lead times budget all that kind of stuff so and then in addition to that we can you know facilitate and coordinate the things that are coming in uh, there's usually issues with okay this is a little bit smaller than we thought it was so now what do we do the framing's not going together exactly so there, there's always um coordination during construction that we're part so of. So you're there from beginning to end. Yeah. Yeah. About how many uh, projects do you guys handle? We're averaging about uh, 90 to 110 projects a year. Not every one of those projects is going to go all the way through construction. Mm-hmm. Uh, some folks will just call us and say, hey, I'm thinking about, you know, doing this commercial project. Can you develop a schematic design? And then I'll work to see if, you know, uh, financing can be gotten. So that that occurs sometimes. Things are just, you know, studies, basically. But yeah, we, we do handle a lot of projects. That's cool. What's the future of your business? Where do you see yourself in five years? Uh, great question. Um, we uh, definitely want to see ourselves gaining a little bit larger project types. I like to see us kind of moving there a little bit. We have some of those, but, you know, it, it would be nicer for us if we had a, a little bit more of those. And then in addition, um, we're kind of expanding our, our network a little bit. We have a little satellite office in Baton Rouge now, and uh, we'd like to maybe be, you know, expanding a little bit further outside of that as well. Is there anybody in the industry that like helps other architects uh, grow their firms? I'm sure they're out there, but I don't know who they are. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure there's like a business consultant for architects kind of thing. Yeah, yeah for yeah. you know other, other architecture firms that have done it, they're like teaching other architect yeah. firms how to like do that too. I'm sure scale. they're out there. <laughs> I didn't know if you knew no, of anyone. Besides construction companies, who are um, architect like number one referral partners real estate agents refer us a good bit um you know they'll have a a client that wants to purchase a property but then it needs work so we'll get calls from them house flippers yeah yeah house flippers are uh are in there as well there's a lot of folks that might do speculative you know work i'm going to build a house for sale um some of that i think slowing down a little bit you know interest rates are going a little higher so money's a little bit more expensive yeah uh, but yeah, th- there's still some of that happening. Is lumber still out of control? No, it's actually much better than it was. Other things are still higher, but um, lumber has come down a lot. That's good. Yeah. Because I need a deck built. Do you do decks? <laughs> do you design decks? design them, sure. Yeah, Sweet. Yeah. yeah, we do a lot of really uh, nice backyard, you know, pool additions and pool houses and things like that. Um, yeah, make an oasis. Very cool, man. All right, well, tell them where they can find you. You can look into that camera right there, and um, you know, sure. It's uh, um, just uh, Google search M two Studio New Orleans, and uh, we'll be at the top of the list. And uh, give us a shout, ladies and gentlemen. Charles Nere. If you guys live in the New Orleans or Baton Rouge area, or Louisiana in general, I bet they can reach out to Charles over here, and uh, they can take care of you on all of your renovation needs, commercial, residential. These guys are uh, top-notch and uh, recommend them highly. And for everyone else, thank you so much for watching Spaghetti on the Wall, brought to you by LeDuke Entertainment for all of your digital marketing needs, social media, uh, content marketing, commercials, videos, whatever you guys need, we got you. And thank you guys so much. We'll see you all next week on another episode of Spaghetti on the Wall.